0: Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about tearing down the idols. Stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. Welcome. Today is Monday, January 18th, 2021. Today we are going to be talking about tearing down the idols not only in our own lives, but seeing how the idols were torn down in the Old Testament. Um, We're going to talk about um, how the idols of the Old Testament can also show up even in our lives today, but also that they can be prevalent in other ways that are a little bit more difficult for us to acknowledge or even see um, with clarity are actually idols in our lives. So, With that being said, I wanted to read a bunch of different things to you from the Word of God. This is actually the third time I've attempted to record this. No fault of anchors. It's simply that I actually ran out of time. Last time I attempted to record this, it was 30 minutes plus long. So um, typically they like to limit you to about 30 minutes, which I think is fair because a podcast really shouldn't be any longer than that. So with that being said, let's go ahead and dive right in. If you have ever done a study on idols... In the Word of God, you will note that a whole lot of it um, is almost repetitive in the way that it comes across in the Word of God. So you have the Israelites who are following God and they cry out to God and God saves them, and then they start worshiping idols, and then they cry out to God and God saves them, and they start worshiping idols. And they, so you get the point. It's a, it's a whole lovely circle of insanity that uh, the Israelites found themselves in. And yet we can find ourselves in even today. So we're going to read the foundation of where idols might be problematic and why God doesn't want us to do them. So we're going to go, obviously, to Exodus 20, which is the where you will find the Ten Commandments. And it starts out, Exodus 21 says, Then God spoke all these... Words saying, I am Adonai your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Do not make for yourself a graven image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or on the earth below, or in the water under the earth. Do not bow down to them. Do not let anyone make you serve them. For I, Adonai your God, am a jealous God bringing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to the thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my mitzvot or law. Now I find it pretty interesting that the very beginning of the Ten Commandments, that's what he's talking about. Do not have any other gods before me. Do not have yourself a graven image. Do not bow down to them. Do not worship anyone, even if They uh, are trying to make you serve them. So like you think about, you know, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how the king attempted to make them bow down, and they refused to do so. So they were thrown into the furnace, and um, God was with them. I think that's a pretty uh, great story of that as well. You see that repeated a lot in the Bible as well, where you see um, God saving them and showing them like, hey, this is why I don't want any other gods before me and I will be with you no matter what. So when you look at judges um, is where you see a lot of this um, repetition going on where they, um, you know, Joshua dies and they are looking for judges and Adonai would raise up these judges and then something would happen and then the judges wouldn't be there and then they would fall back in their old ways. And Um, So you want to look at basically, um, I believe it's, yep, it is. It's Judges 2, 11 to 15, Judges 10, 6 to 16. And then you want to look at 1 Kings, which is actually pretty important. Um, 1 Kings 16, they talk about um, Ammon and, oh, sorry, Ammon, I'm hilarious. Ahab, um, King Ahab, who was the king of Israel at the time. And he married a lovely woman named Jezebel. Sarcasm implied. And Jezebel not only married Ahab, she also brought her god Baal with her. And Asherah was also in there. She was from the land of uh, Sidonia. And those were the gods that they worshipped. And Baal, um, I did look it up. I did actually get out my encyclopedias. I looked up um, three of the most prevalent or the the most uh, well-known idols or deities that I could remember in the Bible, which were, um, Asherah, Baal, and, uh, Malek and, or Malek. And Baal is probably the most prevalent, I think, in the Bible. There are also other, uh, deities mentioned in the Bible as well, but I decided to kind of focus on those ones because for me, also, um, Elijah is probably one of my favorite prophets. And obviously there's just, there is the, um, time where Elijah basically confronts Ahab and he uh, basically has a little bit of a competition with the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah on the Mount of Carmel, where he said, look, if your God is really God, then um, let's go ahead and prove it. So they met on Mount Carmel. He said, why don't we both build altars and we're going to have Um, if Adonai is God, um, I want you to follow him, but if, you know, Baal is God, then follow him. Um, so I want you to give up two, two young bulls. I'll have one and I'll have, and you'll have one and lay it on wood, but don't light a fire underneath it. And then you will call in the name of your God and I will call in the name of Adonai and the God who answers with fire, then he is God. They agreed to these terms, and all the people said that's a good thing. So they, the, people of the, the prophets of Baal go ahead and, and grab their, their bull, cut it up, put it on the wood, but no fire was put underneath it. So he said, okay, you got to pray to your God so that he'd get fire. So they did that from morning till noon. They called the name Baal, and he didn't answer. Then Elijah mocked them and said oh, maybe he's good. You know, maybe he's deep in thought or he's relieving himself or he's off on a journey. And so then they shouted even louder and cut themselves with swords and spears as was their custom. And until the blood gushed over them and they kept prophesying ecstatically until the time of offering up the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answering, no one paying attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came closer to him. He repaired the damaged altar of Adonai. He took 12 stones that represented the 12, uh, the the tribes of the sons of Jacob. To whom the word of Adonai had come saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built the altar in the name of Adonai. Then he made a trench around the altar. And then he put wood on the altar. And then he cut the bowl in pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Then he said a second time, and they did it a second time. Then he said a third time, and they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. So (laughs) obviously at this point, he is making a a big statement at a big point. Like, my God is God, and, and yours is just a fake. So he calls out to God, and he asks him to answer him so that all these people may know that you Adonai are God and that you have turned their heart back again. So then the fire of Adonai fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood, the stones and the dust, and licked up all the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw they fell on their faces and they said, Adonai, he is God. Adonai, he is God. And that, once again, a beautiful picture of proving who is God and who is not God. And I think that that is really important for us to focus on, but I think that it's also important for us to recognize that these idols that they dealt with back in the day can still be prevalent in our lives today and that we need to be aware of it and to be cautious and to be in right relationship with God so that he can reveal that to us, what exactly it is in our lives that um, could be construed as an idol. Now, um, I did look up the word idol, and the one that really stuck out to me is any person or thing regarded with blind admiration, adoration, or devotion, um, which I think can so easily happen, especially in this modern day and age, where we are, we have so many people or things that have the potential to become idols in our lives, and that's when you say, Holy Spirit, please reveal to me anything that I may be putting before God that I should not be. Now, that could be something like your spouse or your children, your job, politicians, your health, addictions, anything that we place higher than our relationship with God, Yeshua, and the Holy Spirit. And I think it's so important for us to recognize that because that's how it tends to show in our lives, right? It's like our our everyday things. Like if we don't have time for God, then maybe we need to reassess what exactly is going on in our life that we have put before God. Um, You know, if you're scrolling through your phone and your technology and then you say, oh, I don't have time, didn't have time to spend with God today, then maybe you need to reassess, am I putting this phone ahead and above God, which I know sounds absolutely ridiculous, and yet I see it happen on a regular basis. Now in Isaiah 2.8, it says their land is full of idols. They worship the work of their hands, what their own fingers have made. And I think with technology, especially that that has become something that's so prevalent in our day-to-day life that we don't even necessarily see it as something that could become an idol, but it truly can. Now, what do we, we as parents do? We give rules to keep our children safe. And give the appropriate consequence when they choose not to. So too does God. When we choose to put something above our relationship with God. He will tear down that idol in our lives. There have been times in my life where I have put my own husband above God. And he has torn that idol down. So that I recognize he is a broken and imperfect person just like I am. And he has no place being on a pedestal. The same is true for my uncle Jerry Williams. Um, as a child, I put him up on a pedestal because I wanted to be like him when I grew up. I wanted to be a Christian singer, and God tore that idol down quite um, quite quickly as well. Um, you know, He chose to divorce my aunt and move on with a different woman through no fault of my aunt. Um, And I think that when we put things above God, he's very quick to call us to task and say, hey, I'm not number one in your life right now. And I am a jealous God. And you need to reassess how you were living your life and where I happen to be in that um, list of things that you do because it should be a relationship. It shouldn't be something that you simply tick off. Oh, did I spend my de- you know, did I have devotion with God today? Did did you actually have devotion with God today? Do you actually talk to him? Did you actually um be are you actually in his presence on a daily basis? Are you spending time with him more so than maybe we should be, you know, spending time with anything else. And I think for me, I know that I definitely fall short in this area and it's something that I need to work on in my own life, which is why I really felt like this was something that kept coming to my mind over and over and over again. This song "Tear on the Idols by Isaiah 6 just kept coming over and over and over in my mind because it's something that we, especially as Americans, but throughout the whole world need to recognize. It's something that we create, you know, even when you create a God in your own image, you know, you say, oh, well, that God is not, you know, the God of the Bible is not really the God for me. I think I'm going to grab something from Hinduism because Buddhism and Muslim and, and then you make your own idol, you make your own God, like that's uh, that doesn't work. You know, um, Yeshua says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, 6. And I think that it's really important for us to remember that because you cannot take parts of the Bible that work for you and ignore other parts of the Bible. You need to recognize that this is the Holy Word of God that... um, this is our basic instructions before leaving earth and that it is so important for us to cling to this and to understand the context of what we're reading. So many times I speak to Christians who have absolutely no idea about the Old Testament. And if you know nothing about the Old Testament, the New Testament is going to mean nothing to you. And and it's also not going to make a lot of sense. You're going to find that there's a lot of holes. In fact, um, I actually started, another reason I was later in my podcast, I also started a new job this past week. Not a new job, but I started driving a school bus again for a private Christian school full time again. And one of these kids who I've known for years was talking about how, um, you know, I asked him like, hey, like what church do you go to? And he's like, oh, I haven't gone to church in like years. Like we haven't gone to church in years. But my friends really like this one pastor in Tennessee and, and they make me watch his, um, I don't know, his videos or whatever. And I, I can't stand the guy and, you know, I'm already, you know, I'm a Christian, whatever, but there's a lot of holes in Christianity too. And, and I said, well, what, what makes you a Christian? He's like, well, you know, I was pretty much born a Christian. I was like, um, are you sure that's, that's the right answer? So we, you know, I was able to minister to him, um, and also teach him that that's not really the truth. And I think so often, as parents, I know this is kind of a side thing, tangent. I know, honey, I'll get back onto it. Ben, I'm talking to you. Um, but I think it's so often that we, as parents, and I saw it as a youth leader too when I was in a normal, uh, normal church, a Christian church. Um, and these parents would throw these kids into youth group and expect them to be thrown back out as, as believers in Christ, and not have to do any of the legwork. And I think if you don't have time to raise your children in the way of the Lord then maybe you do have some idols in your life you need to reassess, like your job and perhaps even money. Um, You know, uh, That's just kind of my side note, but I think it does actually tie into it as well. Because I think so often as believers, we just expect our children to know about God instead of showing them in our walk and showing them in our talk and also sitting down and having devotions with them, sitting down and talking to them about God. We cannot simply expect them to magically know about God just because we do. And I think it's time for us as believers to reassess what we're doing in our lives and prioritizing God first in our own lives, but then in the lives of those that we touch on a daily basis. And then in the lives of those who we may not touch on a daily basis, but every so often, because if you don't have your own house in order, then you, uh, shouldn't even be bothering going outside of your home. You know, you need to get your house in order before you start trying to preach to other people. That being said, I did want to also talk about uh, Malek or Malek. Um, He was a deity to whom child sacrifices were made throughout the ancient Middle East. The name name derives from combining the consonants of the Hebrew Malek, which means king, with the vowels of Boshet, which is Shane. The latter often being used in the Old Testament as a variant name for the popular god Baal. Now, I wanted to talk about him because I feel that he actually is prevalent in this day and age as well. Um, we just don't call him Moloch anymore. I believe that we call him abortion. Moloch was um, a god that God, I don't know, specifically said, do not follow after him because you'll be, you know, I am not for you sacrificing your children, throwing them into the fire. So a place right outside of Israel was called Gehenna. And Gehenna was a place where people that worshipped Moloch would have these flames, and they would throw their children into the flames, sacrificing their own children to this god. Um, Later on, it was also um, where they would throw their trash and their refuse and anything else they could think of. They would have a continuous fire in this valley of Gehenna, and um, that's why a lot of times they will also equate Gehenna with hell in the Bible, um, because they have a lot of similarities. But that being said, Moloch, I think, is still around today in the form of abortion. We murder our own children for many reasons. I believe most would be shocked to find that a good portion of abortions really boil down to inconvenience. The inconvenience a child would bring to the mother or the father or someone else. Um, you know, I actually volunteered at a pregnancy center for a while and I loved working with these women who came through the door because a lot of these people are a lot of them, all of them are hurting and they are desperate and they don't know where to turn. And I'm so thankful for pregnancy centers because if they didn't have them, they would be going to places like Planned Parenthood who are more likely to try to push you to get an abortion than try to help you have a child. I know this from personal experience myself. I went to a Planned Parenthood when I was pregnant at 17 and they gave me, they gave me condoms and they told me all about abortion. And I said, well, don't you have any services for people who want to keep their children? And the lady looked at me like I was crazy and said, no, we don't do that here. So that being said, went to, um, volunteered at this pregnancy center. And um, yes, there were a lot of women who are hurting. All of them are hurting. Um, and really, that's the primary goal and, and concern for these pregnancy centers. It's not just for the children; it's for the mothers to help them raise these kids um, and have the right resources so that they're able to do that. So they de- don't have to feel desperate and feel like they have to have an abortion. So there are a lot of these women who would come in, and some of them were being pressured by their boyfriends or even their their mothers, um, or their fathers, or you know, who knows who, but they felt pressured or there were a lot of them who also just felt like it wasn't the right time to be pregnant because it was inconvenient for them. You know, they may, maybe they felt like they didn't have the right finances or maybe they didn't ever want to actually have children. And to me, that's heartbreaking um, that you're willing to give up another person's life because it's more convenient for you. Now, that being said, um, there's hope and healing even if you do get abortions. I know at the pregnancy center that I um, volunteered at, they have, a, they have a program for those who did get an abortion to help you through the psychological and the spiritual and the physical aspects of you having had an abortion. Because it is. It's actually something that is extremely difficult for you to get uh, your head wrapped around. Um, Whether you want to acknowledge it now or later, you will eventually acknowledge it. Um, But there's always hope and healing no matter what kind of situation you find yourself in. And I wanted to read, kind of ending this uh, with it, is Psalms 106, 1 through 48. It's almost kind of like a little synopsis of what happened with the people of uh, Israel with Moses, but I think that it it kind of uh, has a lot. It does it does mention a couple of idols, but I think it, it's really the mindset that we need to have, and to remember to have. So Adonai, it the title is for the Tree of Life Bibles. Adonai, still faithful to Israel, Psalms 106. Hallelujah! Praise Adonai for He is good, for His loving kindness endures forever. Who can speak of Adonai's mighty acts or declare His praise? Blessed are those who maintain justice who do what is right at all times. Remember me, Adonai, when you show favor to your people. Visit me with your salvation, so I may behold the prosperity of your chosen ones, exult in the joy of your nation, and give praise with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have acted wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did did not ponder your wonders, nor did they remember your abundant loving kindness but rebelled by the sea at the Sea of Reeds. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Sea of Reeds and it dried up and he led them through the depths as through a wilderness. So he saved them from the hand of those who hated them, redeemed them from the enemy's hand. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words. They were singing his praise. How quickly they forgot his works. I would not wait for his counsel. In the wilderness, they craved ravenously. In the desert, they tasted God. Sorry, they tested God. So he gave them what they asked for, but they sent a wasting disease among them. They envied Moses in the camp and also Aaron, the holy one of Adonai. The earth opened up, swallowed Dathan and covered the company of Abram or Abiram. Also a fire blazed in their company. A flame consumed the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a molten image. Thus they exchanged their glory for an image of a grass-eating ox. They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Sea of Reeds. So he commanded their extermination. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn his wrath from destroying them? Then... They scorned the pleasing land. They did not trust in his word. Instead, they grumbled in their tents. They would not listen to Adonai's voice. Therefore, he swore to them that he would make them fall in the desert and disperse their offspring among the nations and scattered them through the lands. Then they yoked themselves to Baal of Peor and ate the sacrifices of dead things. So they provoked him with their deeds and a plague broke out among them. But Phinehas or maybe it's Phinehas, stood up and intervened, so the plague was stopped. It was credited to him as righteousness from generation to generation forever. By the waters of Meribah, they angered him, and trouble came on Moses because of them. For they embittered his spirit, and he spoke rashly with his lips. They did not destroy the peoples as Adonai had commanded them. Instead, they mingled with the nations and learned their practices. They worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. So the land was desecrated with blood. So they defiled themselves by their deeds and prostituted themselves by their practices. Therefore, the anger of Adonai was kindled against his people and he abhorred his inheritance. He handed them to the nations. Those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, so they were subdued under their hand. Many times he delivered them, but they kept rebelling deliberately, and so sank low into their iniquity. Yet he saw their distress when he heard their cry, remembered his covenant to them, and relented in the greatness of his mercy. He caused them to be pitied in the presence of all their captors. Save us, Adonai our God, and gather us from the nations, so we may praise your holy name and triumph in your praise. Blessed be Adonai, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And I think that's really why I wanted to leave you with that, because it leaves you on a a happy note. Know that God will always be there for you. And that even when we slip and slide and we fall over and over and over again, we stumble and fall, as long as we repent of our sins and confess that Yeshua is Lord, He will take us back over and over and over again. And that we know that God is worthy of all the praise and the glory and the honor, no matter what is going on in our lives. Now, I do want to remind you, because I absolutely forgot to do this last time, to please go to my email address if you have any questions, concerns, something you want me to talk about, anything and everything. It's e l m -M -M 3 at protonmail.com. E is an echo, L is in Lemur, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, M is in Mike 3 at ProtonMail.com, or you can reach me at MessyMessianicMama.com. mama.com or you can even leave me a voicemail, a one-minute voicemail on anchor.fm slash erica LaCasse, I believe. Um, I would love to hear from you, maybe even get some feedback. That would be great. Now, as I do with every single podcast, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction. And I pray that you just have a blessed week. And choose to tear down the idols in your life. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face towards you and grant you his peace. Bashem In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you have a blessed week. I'll see you again, hopefully next week.